0: This is the Wife of Stem podcast with Christy Little Jones of ChristyLittleJones.com, episode number 130. This month, we are celebrating amazing women in honor of International Women's Month. And in today's episode, my special guest, Mandolin Campbell, tells her amazing story of how she started paying the bills at 12, had her first child at 14, and became addicted to crack by 18, ending her up in prison. Today's episode will encourage you and inspire you to never give up, to never quit, and to always believe in yourself no matter what. Up next on the Wife Wisdom Podcast. If you are new to our podcast, woohoo! Welcome to the family. I am thrilled that you are here. And if you are already a part of my tribe and you don't already know, I love and appreciate you. Mandolin Campbell is my special guest today. She is a caring wife, a mother, a grandmother, and she really has a heart to mentor and help women who have been released from prison to really reintegrate into society. In fact, she's established her own nonprofit organization called Welcome Home Outreach Ministries, really drawing from her own personal journey because Mandela not only can relate, but can empathize with the struggle of overcoming the stigma Associated with being incarcerated. So please help me welcome to the Wife Wisdom Podcast, Mandolin Campbell. Hi, Mandolin. I am so excited and welcome to the Wife Wisdom Podcast. Listen, we've been friends for several years now. And the story of your <laughs> life that you have told me is something that I believe we need to celebrate in particular this month, just celebrating uh, women, amazing women who have contributed so much through their life. And yes, your story is, I just marvel at it. And I'm just my mouth, you know, whenever you tell me, you <laughs> told me several times before my mouth, my jaw is on the floor right? when you share your story. So welcome to the Wife Thank the
1: you, Christy. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm definitely honored because you're doing great things and you have a lot of different people of, um, you know, different walks of life. And so you're teetering over here into these waters and it's going to be a little different. Yes, yes, I love it. <laughs> but I think that's that's what's important about
0: though just the world is that we really truly get to know people's story. No, you know, we can't everybody can't live up in the the tower, right? Yeah. We've got to really, you know, <laughs> or and everyone shouldn't live right like right, on the ground, right? We right. should be able to experience everything and be exposed to everything so we can appreciate each other's story. Yeah, And that's really what we're going to be talking about today. Your story. Okay, okay. So first off, like, you know, I, I'd love for you to start okay. with the fact that your, your mom, you know, mm-hmm. when your mom was just a high powered exec and mm-hmm. you, she really just trusted you at a very young age. So yeah.
1: let's start there. Okay. So, yep. Yeah. Exactly my mom was a um, you know government worker um, and she left the government as a GS 14 or 15 and went to um, IBM as um, one of their top executives. And during that time she just taught me I just she taught me everything she knew. you know um, she set me you know at a typewriter at five years old. you know she taught me about life paying bills. You know, at 13, I was paying all the bills, um, you know, because she had to do a lot of, of travel. Um, she would she would have meetings with senators and congressmen on capitol hill she would give me her checkbook to go buy her clothes um you know different things like that so i grew up really 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 fast mm-hmm. that was about 12 or 13 years old i was doing those things what? i was staying home i was a latchkey kid mm-hmm. but i was staying home 9 10 11 12 by myself if i think about that now with my grandkids i could never do that <laughs> but <laughs> but I did it I wrote checks I paid bills I did all of that when my mom was on travel and you know she taught me at a very young age exactly. five six seven eight I knew I, I was being prepped for those things yeah so. that's amazing and so um okay so you were
0: you were do running the house basically at 12 13 years old because she traveled and you are the only child I am right and so then as a result, you grew up fast. And then what? Then what happened next?
1: So, as a result, I grew up fast, fast tail. And I uh, got pregnant at 13. So, I was pregnant at 13. Well, wait a minute, 14. Have a child 15. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I started, you know, uh, dealing with boys 12, 13 during that time of being you know, this uh, <laughs> this, this, this um, person that was home alone. Mm-hmm. And then at 13, at 14, I got pregnant and had my daughter at 15. Mm-hmm. And at 15, at 16, I got pregnant and had my second daughter at 17. But during those times, um, you know, my mother still would not allow me to settle for being pregnant. Okay. You're pregnant and get up, go to school. You're still going to do everything that we have you on track to do. There's not going to be any beat. You know, you're not going to miss a beat. You're going to do what you need to do and you're going to keep it moving. And that's what happened. Um, I just kept it moving. I walked across the stage at 17 years old, nine months pregnant, and I just kept it moving. Wow. So, you know, that's how, you know, that happened. And so after high school, where'd you go? So after high school, um, you know, you know there there was the crack epidemic. Um, you know, I graduated in '86. Um, right after that, '87 through the '90s and things like that, it was the crack epidemic. And unfortunately, at 18 years old, I found myself addicted to crack right after high school with two children. Wow, um, just hanging out with my neighbor and taking her to go get it and and, and um, you know because I had my mom bought me a new car you know brand new car off the showroom floor for my um, for my um, birthday for my 17th birthday and graduation and so um, I used to go and drive friends around and joy ride and I would take my girlfriend to buy it, not knowing what she was doing or buying and eventually you know I tried it and you know, that's all she wrote. And so that's where my life, uh, that's the path my life went um, right after high school. It was a shame mm. right after high school. And, um, you know, from that point on, it was jails and institutions for the next 10 years.
0: No. Um,
1: yeah. So after you, know. you,
0: you were addicted to crack at 18. You went to jail?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because you would do things to get drugs. Uh, and um, so, you know, I would shoplift or, you know, write checks. I was like a blue collar, uh, <laughs> white collar crime. They call it because I was a check writer. There was a lot of things I would not do for the drug, but there was a lot of things I would do. So I would, you know, uh, manipulate and finagle people and, you know, come up with schemes and scams and different things like that just to get my drug. And so that's the way my life was and you know unfortunately my mom wasn't an enabler because i was so young i had young children and my mom just you know she took over took care of the children took care of me you know she would give me you know money for the drugs she would get wow. bail me out all the time you know i i even stole her money thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, I was just really, really sick. And she enabled the disease instead of, you know, let me hit rock bottom, which did oh, not happen wow. you know, for a while. So I ended up in prison for six years, Um, you know, as a result of continuing to go in and out of jail until they get tired and things pile up on you. And I ended up, you know, as a result, doing six years, I actually did three years, got out went right back to the same behavior, violated my parole and went back for the additional three years all while having children in and out of the system. I had two sons while in prison. Wow. Um, and my mom had to come and pick them up. You know, I would have the child. She would have to come pick them up and and um, and and get them. And that happened twice wow. um, while in prison. And um, I would get out Of course, get pregnant and then end up in prison when it was time to have the child. So throughout the course, I started with two children. I ended with five. Um, Mm -hmm. and that was the that was just the trajectory, that was just the course of my life for for many, many years, from 18 to 28. I think. Okay. That's what I was gonna ask
0: you, 18 to 28. And so once you got out of jail in six years, then where did you go? Like, how come you didn't go back into jail?
1: <laughs> well, uh, once I got out of jail, prior to getting out of jail, my mom passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom passed away when I was in when, when I was in prison, and um, that was very very hard. But God knows best because. Um, I could not have been in a position to be out to see my mother in that way. Although, you know, I cursed God and everything else while in prison because I couldn't be there. But again, God knows best because if I was there for what I understand, you know, she had dwindled to 90 pounds. She had, um, you know, cancer in the pancreas and it was very fast. She was diagnosed in November. She died in February. So it was just very, very fast. And. If I was there, that could have been the next path of my destruction. Mm-hmm. But again, God knows best. And that's not what happened. I ended up getting out. My aunt um, was left with all of my children. <laughs> and um, when my mom passed, with the exception of my daughter, Victoria, that was in um, New York with her dad. And um, and other than that, they all with, with, with her. My mom's last dying words to me was, get your children. And go be a boss chick. Like, you know, you can be, and they wasn't even saying that back then, but Mm -hmm. she actually did say those words. And Mm -hmm. that's all I could hear. That's all I ever heard from that day forward. And that's exactly what I did. I got out, I went to a shelter and I met my husband there, but uh, that's second story, story. but I went to a shelter. um, And I went and got my children from my aunt in South Carolina. We all came back to the shelter and um, from there I, I I got a job at MCI your favorite story and um, from there I you know I just hustled you know I hustled along the way met my husband um, he was in the same kind of bolder predicament never with drugs or anything like that but just homelessness and I just saw potential there and um, we kind of connected and you know we got together and was married a year later so that's a little skipping but You know, that's, that's pretty much what happened and how it happened from, you know, prison to hearing those dying words to already having a foundation instilled in me from five, six, seven, eight, nine, the Mm -hmm. foundation was built, it was laid, you know, and most, 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 the smartest people are the criminals that are in jail or in the, in the, in, in the, um, dead, you know what I'm saying? That's where they are the smartest people. Mm -hmm. And so, um. And so, you know, I just got out and kind of used those smarts to my advantage and just to do what my mother told me to do. And that's pretty much what I did.
0: Wow. You were in a shelter with five children.
1: Yes. And they were young. Yeah. My youngest, my youngest was two and my daughter, my oldest daughter was 13. My oldest daughter is 36 now. And my youngest son is getting ready to have a baby. Uh, My youngest son is 26 now.
0: Oh my goodness. Amazing.
1: So, yeah. Yeah. Amazing.
0: So now talk a little bit about once your mom died, it really, mm-hmm. it must've shifted something in you where yeah. you, you know, something kicked in and you went to the shelter, went to get your children and you got a job. So what happened? Like, how did you get from being, having your first child at 14 years old, Then being, getting hooked on crack, going to jail for six Mm -hmm. years, Mm -hmm. living in a shelter. So you were homeless Mm -hmm. to where you are today. You know, it it must've been that moment, that aha moment when your mom died to get you to a place where it really motivated you to make something of your life. So after you got out of jail and you were in the shelter, where, how did you get to where you
1: are now? So again, it was those dying words that still ring in my ear today. And it's been since 1997. Those last three words, I cannot get them out of my mind. But I always had hustle in me. Certain things you always just have in you, it was, it was there. And that was my bloodline. My mother was a hustler, you know? And so that's all I saw. Um, and my father, he was, a, um, you know, he was an addict as well. He died a year before my mother. my mother died and my grandmother died a year after my mother so all three happened and um i just knew i said i gotta do something different like i just knew i knew what i could be i knew what i could do when i got out my great friend crystal you met her the other night on the call my great friend crystal i went to the shelter well before i went to the shelter i was paroled to her house but Crystal had five children of her own and I had five children of my own and it felt like I became a nanny you know because I was programmed (laughs) to get up make the beds make sure you can bounce a quarter on them wash the clothes put like we had chores we had structure Mm -hmm, in -hmm. prison and so I came home with that same structure but I felt like I was turning into a nanny with all these kids and Crystal work and things like that so I said you know I'm going to go to McDonald's and get a job. That was the only thing around. Mm-hmm. And I always said I would never work fast food. I had never in my life worked fast food. And I went to McDonald's and got the job. And wow. I was like, I can't do it. I just cannot <laughs> work at McDonald's. I can't. And I went to the shelter. That's what prompted me to go to the shelter because I couldn't be a nanny mm-hmm. and I couldn't work at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. But I knew that those were the stepping stones to you know, just help me not, not, not stay there not take advantage of the situation, but get there, get the help you needed and keep it going. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I got to the shelter. And I just, you know, it, it it was fire in my soul. Like, you know, it was just fire in my bones. Those words were fire that ignited every morning, every night it, it was fire. So I went to the shelter. I got a job immediately after, and I enrolled in college and, you know, you know, and then, um, I had the help of, um, adopt a family through the shelter that got us an apartment. Um, and soon after my husband, it was my boyfriend then moved in and we got married a year later. That was crazy. Didn't know what we were doing. I was 28 and my husband was 23, honey. Wow. 23. Can you imagine? I tell you this all the time. Your son at 23 coming home, telling you he's married with five children.
0: Oh my goodness. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow! but was the way it was and my children were more relatable to my husband than me I was more mature my husband was more on their level so that was another that's another whole segment story or whatever <laughs> because that's we've been married um 23 years 23 wow. years God is good you know God is good we met in the shelter and we were married and we've been married 23 years but that's yeah.
0: amazing because so many people who shared so many similar aspects of your story are not here today Mm -hmm. they are not where you are they are can't you know there's not a a success story so to speak that they have Mm -hmm. to share so was was it people along the way who helped you who believed in you who um just saw potential in you that helped you to get to this place to go from, because I understand that, you know, even going to jail and probably why you went back is that you you come out and then it's similar habits, right? You have similar Mm -hmm. habits that you, that you kind of engage in because you you don't really, Know that that's what got you into jail until you have like this epiphany or aha moment. But then you know, because I, from what I understand, if you have a record in jail,
1: mm-hmm. you can't get a job. So how did you get jobs? Stop. That is great. That is a great question. And and again, I didn't have when I first got out. I was still ashamed. You know, the stigma of incarceration. I still didn't want to tell people whatever. So when I got out and I heard about this job at MCI. I went there and applied and it was a sales job. But as you know, that's kind of what I I'm good at. Um, and didn't know at that time, I just love people and talking and things, but went there, I on my application, I put that I did not have a record. Ah. I put that I did not have a record, but see God showed me something in that because, you know, I I paid my dues, I did my time, but I had to feel that way on the inside and I didn't, I was still ashamed. Mm-hmm. And so I put, uh, you know, didn't have a record. So I thought I was in a clear, shoot, I got the job, didn't have a record. And um, so I, I was so proud to call my uh, parole officer and say, I got a job. You know, I got a job three weeks out of, out of prison. You know, I got a job, a good one too, at MCI. And um, she was like, "Okay, great. Well, I can send a letter and tell the job that you're on parole. You know, I'm going to have to tell your, you know, the company that you're on parole and, you know, so that they know that you're out of prison and what your charges was and everything. And my heart sunk because I lied on my application. My heart sunk. I was like, okay." so I just um, I got up the courage one day. Well, first of all, I made a name for myself and I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but I made a name for myself. You know, I hit the top of the sales ranks and everything in 90 days. I was the rookie of the year and the entire company and things like that. But, um, so I got up the courage to, and she gave me a month or so. She was like, I'm going to give you some time to tell him. Cause I begged her, please don't make me do this. She said, I have to. And so I got up the courage call him in into a conference room and you know let him know I said I got something to tell you so he was like what is it what is it you know whatever and I said I'm on parole I had a record he was like oh is that it I was like (laughs) well yeah and he was like and I said my parole officer has to send a letter he said well have it addressed to me and I'll go to the control room I'll go to the mail room and pick it up when when it comes and so you know that happened and as he one day just one day at work I was studying doing my job and he walked by and tapped me with the letter on my shoulder Mm -hmm. and was like you know showing me the letter he had it and that was it and and so that was it that was God was like don't do that no more you know what I'm saying like I got you like you've done what you had to do and do not do that anymore so my next really big job uh, was maybe three years later at Blue Cross Blue Shield in DC I was going to be um, one of their head supervisors and um, they loved me I interviewed with everybody they loved me by this time I had been out of prison maybe three or four years and I put, I had a record because they said, you know, within seven years. So I put, I had a record and unfortunately I did not get the job, mm-hmm. you know, I did not get the job. And, um, you know, cause most people say seven years, I was heartbroken, but again, you have to, Hey, you have to go through whatever you have to go through. Mm-hmm. And, um, luckily I was able to stay at MCI. I was able to move into another division department and I was able to stay there seven years. Right. I was able to stay there through the amount of time that most people ask on the application. So now my next job, you know, have you ever been convicted of a felony within the last seven years? I was able to say no. And from there, the sky was the limit. You know, I just I just worked, went to school, you know, did everything I had to do and and um, you know, throughout the years, I know you asked me how did I get here, but just just working and today I am, you know, the head of customer service for transportation industry. I um I uh handle network marketing, I'm a real estate agent, I'm a tax preparer. Um, what else do I do? Because you you always spill it off <laughs> just as much as I spill it off. Um I'm dabbling in real estate now with um wholesaling properties and things like that. Um I mean, and I just love, I do love my life. I love what I'm doing. And, you know, it was just, um, hope, consistency, consistency, faith, um, you know, my dear friend that passed away, Karen, um, she introduced me to Agape Embassy Ministries one year after I, you know, was released from prison and I've been there for 20 plus years, mm. um, under my pastor, you know, rest in heaven, he's gone now, but he's the one that laid the foundation, taught me everything, taught my husband how to be a male, how to, you know, how to deal with a family, a blended family, you know, putting Christ first and then the family, you know, we just learned a whole lot under his tutelage in 20 years. And, and that was again, the foundation to just help me, you know, and help us in our lives to be where we are today.
0: Wow. 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 You know, I just, you've lived multiple lifetimes in your one life, right? Yeah. Multiple lifetimes in your life. And one thing I, I would love for you to encourage our listeners today with mm-hmm. is, um, you know, one of the things that you said is it takes a lot of hope mm-hmm. and faith and consistency. Mm -hmm. And so what are your, your final words for someone who has hit rock bottom, whatever Mm -hmm. their rock bottom is, right? It may not be jail. It may not be homelessness, but Mm
1: -hmm. I feel
0: like we've all hit some place in our life where we feel rock bottom could be a divorce. It could be, Mm -hmm. you know, a loss of a child or a parent. And, um, how? What can you leave with our listeners about hope, about continuing to take the next okay. step?
1: You have to see yourself there before you get there. You know, you really have to see yourself when I was on the prison grounds, and I was laying in the grass, and I had my essence magazines and my jet magazines, and I was just turning the pages. And I was like, that's going to be me and my kids. Oh, that's going to be my house. Oh my gosh, we're going to have an apartment and was dreaming really small, just having a little hootie and a, uh, a two-bedroom apartment to fit me and the five kids in if we had to bunk up or whatever, I was like, oh, that's going to be us, you know, and just dreaming. You have to really dream. You have to believe that you can go there. You have to want it, and I tell you this all the time, you have to want this as much as you want to breathe. When I wanted to stop drugs, I wanted to have to stop it as much as I wanted to breathe, and and so... Um, You have to, you just have to want it really, really, really bad. And you have to see yourself walking in it. You have to see yourself there before you're actually there. And then you do, you know, I was a person that I didn't wait on things to like, I figured, you know, God led me to the places that I need to be. I didn't wait for somebody. I just went out there. I asked questions, talked to people, networked, went to social service, went here, went there. You know, I looked for the help. I looked for the help. And so it's action. Take action. You have to. And, um, you know, you you can't look left or right. You can't, you know, you just have to have some. We always talk about what's your why. But you got to have something. real, And that is not a cliche. You really have to have something to make you get up every day. And my mother's dying three words was that for me.
0: Mm-mm. So, so powerful. Wow. Thank you so much, Mandolin. I know there's so much more that you could share. And but, you know, it was so perfect in just showing how you went from 13, 12, 13 to where you are today and happy and a giver and have just have a heart for people. And, you know, I just thank you so much for being an amazing example, the example that you are for, of hope the example of yeah. you are of consistency of you can turn your life around that you don't have to be here always if you decide and you can see yourself someplace else and you take the steps necessary to get to that next place so yeah. thank you so much You was such I, I a guest. yes, yes I have I have last one more thing sure sure
1: say. last 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 but Um, So this is next chapter I forgot to even mention it because it's so new, but this is next chapter in my life in our life as friends and my family everybody's life, I am the proud. President of a nonprofit that I have started it's called welcome home outreach ministries. And guess what, guys? Guess what it does? I know I'm sure you can take a guess. Well, it is helping women that have that are in prisons, institutions, and drug rehabs. It is helping them when they get out, they're going to have a plan. That is what I'm going to do in my transitional home. We're going to have counseling services. We're going to have housing uh, help. We're going to have you, Christy, my, pro de- my program director, my board member, program director of of programs, Um, we're going to have so many things that help them succeed, help them uh, start out on a good track, uh, resume writing, mental health. Whatever it is that they need, it's going to be a one-stop shop at Welcome Home Ministries. So that is where we are today. It's already in the making. I'm waiting on a few things, but that is my next chapter. And that's what I'm pouring my blood, heart, sweat, and tears into. Um, And I have to thank you again, you know, publicly, because you're the one that kicked me in the butt and kind of, you know, just you know, we do a lot of things that God did not call us to do. We get all off track a whole bunch, but I thank you so much for just pushing me back onto that track and say, get this done. And so that's what's happening, guys.
0: I love it. I love it. Absolutely. You are so welcome. It's You talk about full circle, right? Full circle where you really can um, just pour into a place people who are in a place where you've been if there's nothing more powerful so um thank you i'm i feel honored and blessed to be a part of that journey with you and again thank you so much for being you are so welcome and i'm so happy yes this can help one person i'm happy awesome 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 thank you so much and you're welcome can't wait welcome home ministries here we come yay Thank you so much for listening to today's episode on the Wife Wisdom Podcast. I hope that it was encouraging, inspiring, supportive, or just maybe it made you feel like you were not alone. And so thank you for joining me. If we are not connected yet, I would love to connect with you over on social media, on Instagram at wife.wisdom. And we can connect there. Please DM me how the Wife Wisdom Podcast has encouraged you, how it has supported you, how it has been brought up aha moments for you. I read and value and cherish all of the testimonies that I receive from you. So please, please, please keep them coming. And if you have not already rated our podcast on iTunes, please do so you would just go to iTunes, you could go down to the very first episode where it will say write a review. And so by writing a review, it helps other women who are looking for the Wife Wisdom podcast to find it. And so please rate and review our podcast and it helps other people to find uh, our, our different episodes. So again, thank you so much for not only joining, but continuing to share this with your family, your friends, your sister circle. I so appreciate you and value your consistent listenership. So have an amazing week. And I look forward to connecting with you next week.